ESPN 690 and Action Sports Chats presents Brent and Friends with Brent Martineau. We're going to have to show a little more patience than the year two pom-pom people. Casey Kurtz. Yo! Oh, what are we doing, bro? Come on! And Aaron Schachter. I'm, I'm all in favor of these two showing their love, really celebrating their relationship. This is Brent and Friends with Brent Martineau, Casey Kurtz, and Aaron Schachter on Jacksonville's home for ESPN Radio, ESPN 690. We should, we should just go Froger and Box. It's a thing in the business, you know, just like a picture in picture. On Aaron while the open plays. He loves it. Look. <laughs> Does nobody get excited when the show starts? I get excited. I do. I do too. But Just I not mean, today. But I don't even, he's got like the. Yeah, I got sound effects going. Hello. I got, I got impressions going. We got impressions. Impressions has the impressions going. We got new impressions though. You mind sharing? We got we got the guys on the show. We got. <laughs> <laughs> And we have what? What's, what's the big deal? Uh, we better laugh or we'll cry. Talking about the Jags for oh, another man. three hours today. What a depressing day for all of us, huh? Nah, we're used to it, man. That happened like two days we're ago. We're used to it. I mean, that happened two days ago, man. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it was like way yesterday morning. I'm already on like Tuesday. It's it like really Tuesday does. already. It feels like a week ago, doesn't it? I'm, I'm not lying, though. I have a problem. I get a lot of them. Yeah, you do too. Actually. But and so do you, Casey. Who but, does it? But I'm telling awesome. you, <laughs> I think. I'm <laughs> sorry. Sorry, it's just in my head. Go ahead. I think. <laughs> I've never heard Casey laugh so loud. <laughs> We're just gonna laugh for the first 20 minutes of the show. It's cathartic. <laughs> it is. But I seriously have a problem. You know why? What's that? Because I think I woke up four times last night. And every time I woke up, I was thinking about the Jags. That's, that's I'm not, not good. Kidding. You need a vacation. I am not kidding. That's just awful. I'm like, <laughs> I'm trying to process this. And I'm thinking about just all sorts of stuff from, yeah, the throw, the interception, to I can't believe he said what he said. Like, can I go wait for him to get home at the airport and make sure he knows that wasn't a good decision? You could have, uh, but you end up on a list. Probably. <laughs> Um, Casey's been on that list before. Yes. All the gra- um, all the graphers are on the uh, list. Trevor, yeah. Trevor, just one thing before you go. <laughs> Did you, can we talk about this again? Like, how do you feel now eight hours later after you flew home? You think he'd give you a different answer? Maybe. And, uh, I mean, it's funny, though. I do. I'm like, think, I, that's, I have an issue. Like, I have issues. You do. do we all do this? Does everybody wake up and thinking about, like, thinking about the, the night, thinking about the Jags? No. Like, <laughs> I do. I didn't think about him after, like, and, 1230. And the by afternoon. the way, like, I tried to put it down yesterday. I mean, we got, we went an hour on the post-game show on Action News Shacks. Like, we were talking about it, and I was, like, worn out. I was like, I, how many more times can you do this? And it, it's five in a row like this. Uh, like, really, this is way more excruciating than some of the other ones. Now, listen, the other ones are miserable. Like, there's a difference. Yeah. Like, when the Jags have lost in the past, it's miserable. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, you just know. Like you, I said this a couple times this year. You know going into the game they're about to get blown out. No, like, you know it. Like, there have been many times these last couple years and, and over my 15 years where you just knew, like, what's going to happen today and how bad is it going to be? Or is this going to be the one-off where the NFL kind of works itself out and they, like, at least threaten the other team? Yep. Well, that's not the case right now. 
now you're going into these games and you're like, how are they going to find a way to lose it? <laughs> and how excruciating is this going to be? Is it going to be a regular loss or a really painful loss is what you're saying? Well, all of them have been painful. I mean, it's ridiculous, like, how they're losing. Yet, at least they're giving us some entertainment value, mm -hmm. I guess, and giving us stuff to talk about. But I was, like, fatigued on it. Yeah. Yesterday, yesterday afternoon, I didn't even really tweet that much. And then I got started thinking about it again. And then I threw out my October stat because I really looked it up. My October stat, if you didn't see it, was they, they did something. This franchise, which has been full of futility, has never done. They lost five games in the month of October. <laughs> it's like impossible, yeah. It's almost impossible yeah. because calendar-wise, it, it doesn't happen You only often. get like a shot once every four or five years or yeah, something Yeah, it's like, like there's six of them, I think, in franchise history. Mm. And uh, they... They've lost five games in the month of October. Like, That's they crazy. hit a new level of futility. They've never been 0 for 5 in a month. 1 for 5. Nice. And, and now they did it. Welcome, so, welcome to the winner circle. Congratulations, guys. Jaguars. And did it in just, again, like, it's not border, It's not improbable, like, uh, I'm trying to think. Remember, uh, didn't the Jets beat the Cleveland Browns this year? They scored, yes. like, twice in the final, like, 80 seconds. The Steelers game is what you might be. Yes, they scored twice at the end of the game of the Browns game. Yeah, right? like, the onside kick yeah. and stuff like that. Well, it's not like that kind of improbable where you're like, oh, my gosh, they led like, with like 80 seconds to go. Like win probability was 1% yeah. improbable. Yeah. But if you do look at the win probability for the Jacksonville Jaguars over this last month, go look at, you know that ESPN does that thing? Yeah. Like Which I don't tracker. really pay much attention to it. They are in the lead. Like, they are in the win probability margin. It's on their side. Yeah. Now, sometimes bigger than others. For the almost the entirety of the game. Well, look, we pick the games every week. We pick the Jags game because Casey wants to make someone a villain every week. But every <laughs> week they're the they're not the underdog. You know they're the favorite in a lot of those weeks. Yeah, oh, they've been the favorite now. Going for the Vegas the Vegas game, they're going to be favorites again. I think this is the fifth week in a row. It's crazy. Vegas is Vegas. I thought you were smarter than that. It's a little collusion on the betting there. Vegas working with Vegas. So uh, where are we at? Are we over? I mean, we are we over this thing? I'm not. I mean, I'm not really over it, but I've kind of moved on. But I'm not like uh, Trevor Lawrence. I've I've got problems with. I like I like Trevor. I've defended a lot worse quarterbacks around here, and I'm not giving up on Trevor. But I think Trevor needs to needs to get going here, and I'm concerned about him from a mental standpoint of just too much negative, and how do you dig through that? And I believe there's a three-game sample. You know, Justin Fields, people are talking about Justin Fields today. Mm -hmm. You said it this morning to me, Casey. I Look at Justin Fields. And then I tweeted just a short time ago, I heard these things about Trevor Lawrence after week three. Two games in a row, and Trevor Lawrence was, hey, here he is. Look what Doug Peterson's doing. We were all saying that, in fairness. Mm -hmm. A lot of people were saying that around the country, not just like here in Jacksonville. Sure. And now look, five weeks later, you're like, uh-oh, are you scared? So that's why these samples aren't big enough. And even Justin Fields, he's had some really nice moments the last couple of weeks. He's worked through more mud this year than Trevor has had this year. Now, Trevor worked through more mud last year sure. than anybody, maybe in the history of the game as a rookie quarterback. So I'm not here. I, what I think is it takes, I said this this morning on Monday Morning Madness, I think you've got to give me like three games. Don't give me two games because I've seen that from Trevor, and it doesn't matter. I need three games to feel like you're on the other side of this and start believing that, okay, this is who it is, or is this just part of the roller coaster ride that you're a young quarterback? And by the way, being a young quarterback in the NFL, there is a roller coaster ride to it. I mean, that's part of it for a lot of them, not all of them. I know others. But, hey, Josh Allen's the best quarterback maybe in the game right now. Maybe. Arguable. I know Patrick Mahomes, you take your pick. But you get what I'm saying. It wasn't pretty early on for 
Josh Allen. But it, it also wasn't ugly as late as it's going to be now. Oh, uh, I don't know. What, what was, was it two full seasons? I don't uh, think it was. Through, I, I think it was pretty strong through a year and a half of I'm, it. I'll go I'll go dig back through the game logs, but I think by the end of the second year, you started to see who Josh Allen was. Oh, by the end, but yeah, we're yeah. not there yet. That's my point. Well, you're, you're halfway through, through, you're halfway through the second year. Yeah. yeah. This is what I'm saying. So, like, I don't think it turned on for Josh Allen game 16 of his second year. I, I think... You started to see these numbers. Yeah, I'd have to, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, the, the back half is where he started turning it on. Like, not the huge passing numbers, but, right. like, three touchdowns, no interceptions, two touchdowns, no interceptions. What did they do? In, did they win those games, Casey? Yeah. Year two? Yes, yeah, yeah. So, they, so what was what did they finish that year? Do you remember? Uh, ten and six. Oh, wow. They were ten and six. Yeah, but, like, at the end of the – so, from week ten on, they went four and three, four and two. I can't do quick math. But they won a lot of games in a row there because like two fifty six and three, two thirty one and one, two oh eight and two. Yeah, it really started so they were, together for him. They were kind of winning around him then. Well, he was taking care of the ball more. Yeah. Right? Early in the season, one and two, oh and three, two and one, inter- touchdowns and interceptions. What and year then, was that again? Is that nineteen? Nineteen, yeah. That's a that's an interesting comparison because you hear everybody else wants to compare it to the Mahomes and Herberts and what they've done, right? And Lamar Jacksons and others. But I think Josh is an interesting example because they worked through some mud with him, and he came out on the other side, and he's unbelievable right now. And and what's this year, 20, 21, 22, five? This is yep. year five for Allen, and he's just. I mean, last year really clicked for him. Last year was the year, but. Also, it shouldn't surprise anybody that he really took that huge step forward the following year, yeah. and that's his first year with Stephon Diggs. Yes, and, uh, yeah, a lot of continuity, and he grew a lot. I mean, they were patient, and he grew a lot. Sure. And he had some just puzzling, you know, there was a reason why Jalen Ramsey said he was trash. I well, mean, he, he, he like kind of was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was slimming it. He was inaccurate. That was the rack up, rap on him, right? He could throw far, but he can't throw it accurate. Yeah. He started out 2020, so the third year. 12 interception or uh, 12 touchdowns, one interception. Yeah. The I mean, third year, he was 12 and one. Look, both. In the first four games. Both wow. him and Diggs had Pro Bowl years that year. Yeah. So it's like, it's one thing if Josh Allen has the Pro Bowl year and then the, the other receivers are just guys. But, I mean, he, he had that counterpart there. Well, here's the thing, too. And, and this is the this is the mind-numbing part about the Trevor stuff. And I believe this, um, and I don't know how it would have worked out completely, but I think we're all, a lot of us agree, a lot of people in Jacksonville would say, if he doesn't throw the interception against Houston and this one yesterday, they win both those games. Don't you have a good feeling about that? Well, I mean, I mean, you don't know, of course, but I mean, they have a good feeling about that way. Yeah, the turning point. Place, well, yeah. right now, what is he at? Uh, touchdown interceptions, ten and six. I thought it was nine and four. He was nine and four going into the game. He got his tenth touchdown. Yeah, yesterday. ten to Ingram and then two interceptions. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so ten and six. Well. So here's the significance of that. Let's just say he completes passes, or maybe he doesn't even. But now he's got 10 and 4, or 11 and 4, or 12 and 4, and they have two more wins. Now we're looking at a guy who's, you just told me Josh Allen in year three was 12 and 1. There's a real possibility if he doesn't make these dumb mistakes near the goal line, he's 12 and 4 in year two, you know, and he was 12 and 17 last year, and he's already equaled his touchdown mark halfway through, and they're 4 and 4. You know, like, and there's so many. That's two plays. Yeah, this and is two plays. This is what you're frustrated about, Trevor. Is, and that's why it's frustrating. Yeah. That's why I've seen a lot of people today on social media. Hey, a lot of people are after Doug right now, which I understand being after Doug. But a lot, a lot, a lot of people are after Trevor and really wondering. And they have been really for his career, but really the start of the season in the bad games. But then I've also seen a lot of people say, listen, there's a lot of good stuff there. And I agree. I think there's a lot of good stuff with Trevor. But when you're 5-20, and 20, there's a lot of mud to dig out of, too. And right now, he's got a lot of mud to dig out of because of his own mistakes. 
because of the way this team and franchise have been in his time here. And I just worry about that part of it. I'm more worried about him from a mental standpoint having to fight through this stuff than I am worried about him from a physical standpoint. It makes sense. Like, this guy, it seems like the world is starting to crumble in on him a little bit from a fan perspective. Yeah, because he feels it. He wears it. I mean, how could you not? It's all over. Yeah, because he, but he's also savvy and smart enough to understand where this franchise has been. I think that matters to him. I think it matters to him that he was the guy that's supposed to turn it around. And I said this this morning. Right now, he's the guy holding him back from a couple of wins. Mm. That wasn't supposed to be the case. Yeah, He's got to be sensitive to that. Yeah. We got a lot more to get to. I just texted Maurice Jones. Drew, you ready to go at 320? And he said, you really want me to talk? Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hell yeah, we do. Let's uh, visit with Maurice Jones-Drew. Mojo on Monday. Oh, happy Halloween, by the way. You all excited? You're going to break the diet? We got we got treats? Not for Reese's Pieces. That's we got, we got treats. Whoa! Got wait a minute now. Got Hershey's? We'll, we'll have ET. Let ET have those. Treats for the boys. We'll be back on ESPN 690. on a Monday. Phone home? Okay. Brenton friends on ESPN 690. Brent Martin, Aaron Schachter, Casey Kurtz. What a big weekend we just had in Jacksonville. Bunch of high school football, of course. The Georgia Bulldogs beat the Florida Gators in the River City. Florida State with a nice win. That sets up a showdown with Miami, if you want to call it that. Uh, and then the Jags in London lose again in, in five in a row now. And, you know, essentially... I said this again this morning, Monday morning, Madness. You can catch that show 8 a.m. until 10 a.m. every Monday with Casey and I. And, uh, you know, the season, from an outside standpoint, it's it's not going to be relevant in late November and December. This team is not. Now, inside and, you know, underneath everything, there's a lot to be done here. There's there, You've got to get Trevor on track. They have got to figure out how to win games. Like, if they could somehow win four games in the last, what do we got left, nine? Some, you know, that would be important. Like, that would be a big thing. So there are things to play for and that are, are big, but they're not going to be relevant. Like, they're just not. They're two and six, and they're basically out of it in the AFC South. They're three and a half games behind the Titans, and they're not catching other people, and they're not win- – I don't think they're going to win the next month. I don't think they're beating the Raiders. Now, the Raiders looked awful yesterday, but I don't think they are, and they're not beating the Chiefs, and they're not beating the Ravens. So, like, they're they're – they might be on an eight-game losing streak, and they were two and one blowing people out. They were ranked like fourth or fifth in people's <laughs> power rankings yes. just a month ago. It's unbelievable. Maurice Jones Drew make some sense of it, man. I mean, sooner or later, just win a freaking game. What's going on here? First of all, I have to. How many hours? How many hours do you do a radio a day? Is what I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> like, too like, many. Eight, and long, and what's going on, like? We need to figure that out. Maybe that's maybe that's the problem. <laughs> that's my best. We start there first, and we figure out how to get those hours cut down a little bit, so we can, you know, have a more fresh, energized Brent Martino um, <laughs> in the locker room. No, I'm just joking. Uh, I think you said it best. Right now, they're finding ways to lose games. Um, being down on the goal line, I got a chance to get up early and watch this game. Uh, being down on the goal line, Trevor, that interception, you can't have that. No matter what, that can't happen. Um, you have to live to play another day. You have to find a way, especially when you get in the red zone, you already have three points in your pocket. So you have to find a way to either get the ball out. And, and to me, it, 
the play call was a little questionable just because you ran for so many yards. Why wouldn't you just run it down there again? Right? True. Uh, and that's, I mean, who, that's a big debate in town, Maurice, right now is, okay, are you blaming Doug Peterson or for putting Trevor in that position? Or do you blame Trevor for making the throw and making the decision? And, like, I think you can blame both, but then I said this today, and I know it doesn't seem like it makes sense, but it's 100% on Trevor. Like, if he's playing high school football, you coach high school football. You've got, to te- you've got to know that in high school not to throw that. It's first and goal. You already made the mistake three weeks ago doing the same thing against Houston. So I just right. – I'm not giving Doug a pass on it. I don't know why he didn't run the ball either. But and, – and if he does it again and he calls it, then shame on him. They should rip the damn play out of the playbook. But, but Trevor's got to know better, Right. No, and I think you're exactly right. The play call wasn't the best play call. Trevor didn't execute it, and he threw a pick. Like, you can't do that, all right? Those are – you go up 14-0 at that point, Denver's done. You stick a fork in Denver. They, they were on the – they were teetering to just dismantle the whole team, to yes. be honest with Destruction. you. Destruction. They were going to start trading everybody if they don't win that game. And so uh, you had a chance to put them out, and I think that's where the growth has to come into when you – as you continue to play the game, and again – Look, we didn't win many games when I was there, and I get it. But those are the mistakes that we were making when I was there. When we had a chance to really beat a team up, we didn't execute and, and, and really put our best foot forward. And so in those situations, you're kind of repeating the cycle of what's been going on in Jacksonville for a long time. The Jags have always played well in London. It wasn't the best game. And, then, and so for me, you have to figure out a way offensively to help your defense out, right? The defense was playing really well until probably like the last what the last couple drives, and that's because they were on the field a ton. And so you can't you can't continue to put your defense out there and put them in harm's way, and expect them to get stop after stop after stop. Yeah, and I think it's a little bit of both. Here's what I said, Mojo, today, and and this has been a big discussion. You know, I think at the end of games, and I don't know if you feel the same way, but you you played it. I feel at the end of games when it's time to finish, that's when, like, the really good players rise up, you know. And now you can have one-offs where other guys do it, but I, I use Von Miller as an example. And we know all the legendary quarterbacks do this, too. Or a, maybe a big-time wide receiver makes a play, like McLaurin yesterday for Washington. But the big-time defensive players, like a Von Miller, he might be quiet for, like, 55, 57, 58 minutes of the game, but he goes and delivers the one big play that puts the game away, seals the deal, closes it out. And right now, the Jacksonville Jaguars in that situation, I'm not sure if they have anybody. ETN was fantastic, but you're not going to run the ball in the last two minutes. And Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker and Foley Fadakasi, those guys up front aren't making the big play to slam the door shut. They, so they have good players, I think. They have some talent, but they don't have maybe enough like blue chip guys to go make the winning play so you can get over the hump. Well, I think if you look at what Philadelphia has done, right, with A.J. Brown, they knew that their yeah. quarterback needed to make that step. They made the trade for A.J. Brown. All of a sudden, Jalen Hurts looks unbelievable, right? But he's that guy that you talk about. When you need a play, they're going to throw it to 11. Um, if you look at Cooper Cup with the Rams, if you look at Debo Samuel, now Christian McCaffrey with the Niners, like you want to get those blue-chip guys. And I think you're exactly right where you've drafted in the top five in the top ten a ton of times. Someone has to pan out and be that guy. And I, I, I still believe Josh Allen's that guy. You have to make a play. You have to find a way to uh, affect the quarterback or protect the quarterback 
or the quarterback has to be your blue chip guy to make that play. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in this situation, you know, they're still figuring it out. And, and the problem is this, and, and this is, it's, I think we have to, to, to kind of temper our expectations, right? Because last year was so bad. And Doug Peterson came in, he was a breath of fresh air. And he'd won a, a, a championship. And the Jags started off well. And so we were like, like you said, people, I was one of the people like, the Jags should be in the top five power rankings. And look what they did and all this and that. They're still rebuilding this roster. For whatever reason, they're still trying to find a way to rebuild this roster. And so it's, it, you still have to temper those expectations. But like you said, there's a lot to work on. A lot of growth that needs to be made by a lot of players. Uh, obviously, your quarterback, uh, receivers, you know, the O-line, the D, everyone has to get better. Um, and as you continue to develop and get better, you should start seeing some of these things change. But right now, you know, we have to temper our expectations. I'm concerned about the psyche of Trevor Lawrence. Uh, he is a guy that won all his life. He's never faced this kind of adversity from a losing standpoint, from a what is going on with my game? Why am I throwing these things? We talked about confidence a couple of weeks ago, but you played with a guy in Blaine Gabbert. That's, you saw some of this stuff. Like, it's hard to overcome it when the hill gets so big. And he's 5-20, and 20, Mojo, and he's making now two really bonehead mistakes on the goal line this month to actually lose football games. He was brought here to win games, to flip the organization. He knows that. That's an enormous amount of pressure. But he was the talent. He was the guy. He was the number one overall pick to help do it. And right now, he's not doing enough to help them win. In fact, he's kind of aiding in their losses. And so how much does that weigh on especially that position and that guy? I bet it would weigh on any player. But that's the guy that gets the most scrutiny. No, I will for sure. Um, I'll say this. You have to remember, you know, and I always tell people this, you have to be careful drafting guys from schools that win a lot. Because 90% of the time in college – those guys have the best players around them. They have the best defense, the best coaches. They've spent the money, and, you know, they have the best facilities and all those things. And so a lot of times, you know, he's used to being able to throw a slant a little bit behind the receiver. The receiver grabs it, is able to take it to the house, and he gets away with that sometimes. Those become obviously bad habits because they're validated by the success that you ha- you've had, right, winning a national championship, playing in multiple college playoffs. In the National Football League, that, that that's not how it works here. And um, and so, for me, it's like you have to – whatever whatever he has going on psychologically-wise or psychological-wise or physical with his arm throwing the ball, like that pick he threw at the, at the – the pick he threw at the end of the game against the Broncos was behind – it was behind Christian Kirk. Oh, it was terrible. Yeah. That's a, throw, that's a throwing – that's an issue. That's a mechanical issue. You, you know – the very simple thing is to throw the ball outside. If you're throwing an outside breaking route, the ball has to be outside. It has to be outside unless there's a corner sitting there and you're trying to stop him. But they're playing man-to-man. That ball should have been outside. And so it, it becomes one of those things where you may have to just reboot him. Like, look, let's go back to the basics. And let's just get the bases, bases going. And let's just start doing our, our day one install. Whatever our day one install, those are plays that we're going to run as much as we can because those are plays we rep the majority of the time. Those are plays he's most comfortable with. Um, and, that's what they and did with Russell kind of, Wilson, by the way, this week. It sounded like they went all the way back to like the basic install. And that's sometimes you have to do that because when you're putting so much on a guy's plate, kind of gets overloaded a little bit. And like I said, he's used to playing with 
um, the Ross kid who went undrafted because of the neck injury, or he's had big-time receivers and playmakers always around him. Clemson has put out a lot of guys, right? They put out a ton of players. And unless you get him a number one guy that he can just throw, throw the ball up to, you know, it's going to be tough for him to make the perfect throw, play in and play out. I know Christian Kirk is a great slot receiver, and he's a really good – he does a lot of things for the Jags. But can you throw a 50-50 ball up to him? No. 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 And so sometimes you got to be able to do that. you got to be able to have a play where the quarterback can just, oh, okay, I don't know where to go with the ball. I'm going to throw it in my guy's area and go make a play. Um, and so and, and to be honest, if you look at what – again, this is just being around the league. If you look at how more explosive the Arizona Cardinals are offensively with D-Hop, mm-hmm. it's because they can just throw the ball up to D-Hop and he can go get it. Right? You can look at uh, – I mean, the Philadelphia Eagles we just talked about. They're so much more explosive because A.J. Brown's there. The Buffalo Bills, they weren't that good. We we saw that team beforehand. Until Stephon Diggs got there, they were they were struggling. Now Stephon Diggs is there. He's the guy you can throw the ball up to, and he'll go and get it. So Miami. I think the next my, – Miami. I mean, Tyreek Hill, right? So I, I think the next play for the Jags is saying, okay, we got the quarterback. We got one of the receivers. We need to go find us a, a top-notch receiver that can go up and get the ball. Right, that that can be a playmaker that has that that the the attributes and the qualities of a number one wide receiver, and 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 there's things that come with that as well. There's attitude that comes with it. There's there are different things, but you know, Trevor Lawrence has to be able to have a guy that he can count on. Right, it's been they've tried Dan Arnold, they've tried other tight ends to be that guy, they've tried other receivers to be that guy. It, it just you have to find a guy to help help his maturity in this game grow. You know, the superior college, superior players take is an interesting one for me as it relates to Trevor Lawrence, only because, you know, when Dwayne Haskins comes out of Ohio State throwing 50 touchdowns and then NFL scouts are like, yeah, but can he do it in the NFL? As a fan watching from the couch, watching the TV and all the experts, you go, wow, that's a slightly insulting question to ask about this kid who just threw 50 touchdowns this season. But at the same time, when Trevor comes out and is called a generational talent, and that is echoed by, like, literally everybody in the industry. You didn't find anybody really uh, throwing any heat towards Trevor's way on the way out of college. To see it go down like this, I think I kind of get the knee-jerk reaction from the fan base, even though if the real, if the right answer is patience, I kind of get where everyone's come from, Brent. Don't, don't you think, like, that kind of adds yeah, I, to I, the mountain of negativity? Well, I'll say, let me, let me say this. I, I was one I got kind of picked on, and Brent, you saw it, when, mm-hmm. when Trevor was coming out. I said in the big games, he didn't win the games by throwing. He, he won the games by running, right? And a lot of people got on me about that. But when you look at the – if you just take the big games, the playoff games, Trevor didn't throw the ball, like, exceptional. He, he would throw – he had some good throws in there, but when they needed a big play, he took off and ran. QB draw or – a read option, and he took off and scored from like 50 or 60 out using his legs. And so maybe that's something the Jags may want to look into. He's a big guy. Maybe you want to add him to your running game. And you, you use that as a way very similar to what the Bears are doing with Justin Fields. He's struggling a little bit, so let's, let him use his legs and let him get out and put stress the defense another way. And maybe that settles Trevor down. Maybe that's what Clemson found out is that to settle him down, he needs to run the ball a little bit, and then we can get going. Um, but if you go back, and I challenge all our listeners, I challenge you all to go back and look at those college games and, and those playoff games and see what happened. And I think that will kind of show you a little bit what's going on now. Maurice Jones drew with us, Mojo, on Mondays. And you know what I remember? I'm trying to think as you're saying that. I remember having a conversation with you. I don't know if it was via the phone or maybe it was at a draft or a Super Bowl or maybe it was, I don't know if we, you ever even go to the Combine. 
and maybe I saw you there. I don't remember where it was, but I know you had some of those concerns and more concerns than maybe other people did about Trevor coming out. Not not that you weren't a fan of it, but not like maybe as, whoa, look at this. And, you know, I will right. say this. I, you know, people have thrown around generation, and I understand the expectation goes way up. He is supremely talented in a lot of ways. He makes some throws that are just ridiculous. He's 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 a very good athlete. Like he, he has some really good qualities. You can see why people pegged him as a as a top flight star and, sure. and prospect. Like it makes sense. And by the way, he like never lost. And he handled the college stuff and came right in and handled it and beat Alabama and all those things. So I I mean I can see some of it. The problem is Doug Peterson didn't label him that way. The Jags didn't really right. label him that way. The people on the outside labeled him that way. Right. And now he's supposed to live up to it instead of just learn to be a quarterback. And so that just adds to your point, Aaron, the mountain of expectation. And when you don't deliver early, all that does is add pressure and pressure. And, man, i got to get this done. And then you press. You and pressing, I'm still yeah. convinced that he tries to make plays too much when he could have just thrown it to the Tom Brady jersey in the first row on that play, take the second down play, save your coach from a bad play call, and then hand it to ETN or QB Sneak, and now you're up 14-0. And he's got to learn to do that, Mojo. I mean, the good ones know when to not go make a play. And I don't know if that's youth, stupidity, bravado. I don't know. But the good ones know when not to make the play. But also, the good ones with rifle arms usually make some boneheaded throws. Well, I'll say this. I, I, part of being a quarterback, and it's, it's something I have to, I, I teach a lot of our young kids, and I've, I've learned this from different coaches I've been around, different players that I've been around, and obviously different personnel people. Um, people think playing quarterback is just, oh, he could throw the football, or oh, he could do this, and look how athletic he is. Ooh. Like, no, playing quarterback is also being the head coach on the field, right? I have to be able to think like a coach on the field. Oh, man, okay, we're going to run spring right option on the one-yard line. If it's not there, I'm going to throw it away. I'm not going to try to make a play there. If it's there, I'm going to make a play, right? I'll throw it. Or maybe I'll try to run it in, whatever it may be. But you have to be able to think outside the box. You have to be able to be in the game, but also be thinking about the ramifications of your actions, right? And so there he tries to make a play when you didn't need to. It was first and goal on the one. You didn't need to make a play. Fourth and goal on the one, you make that throw every day of the week. That's good. Yeah, very good call. Yeah, it's, it's right? interesting. We're... First goal, Go ahead, Mojo. I was just gonna say, first and goal, you don't you don't do that. So at the end of the day, it's just it's it's, and I, I don't want to say maturity because it's not that he's immature. It's that he's young and he hasn't been in these situations before. He hasn't been in a in a game where you've been losing. Again, you talked about it in college. You never lost, right? So. You, you, or he lost once, I think, late in the year or whatever it might have been. But you haven't been in a situation where you lost two or three games in a row and you're starting to feel the pressure of trying to make a play, and you don't do it because you understand how to play the game of football. You understand that it's not just about you, it's about everyone, and that you're just a, a guy that's supposed to dish the ball to the open person. And when you need to make a play with your legs and with your arm, you do that in, in occasion. You don't do it all the time. You know, the guy that was drafted right after Trevor was Zach Wilson. And up in New England, he had a, a pretty rough weekend this weekend through a bunch of interceptions. Rich Samini, after the game, works over at ESPN, tweeted a quote. Tweeted. Tweeted a quote. It is your fault. Thanks, Mojo. He tweeted a quote from Zach Wilson. And I'm reading this quote going, man, Trevor could have said it. Like, I don't think Trevor would say something like this. 
But listen to this quote. You guys tell me this isn't what we're talking about. This is from Zach Wilson. Quote, every time I get out of the pocket, it just gets frustrating to throw the ball away. That's what I've done the last four weeks to put us in a good position, but, you know, to not to turn the ball over and for us to win. So I need to be able to keep doing that when something's not there, but it gets old and getting out and not seeing anything there. It's a great quote. I saw the quote in Mojo. That's what we're talking about, man. I mean, that's hard when you want to make a play. You want to be the guy to flip the organization. You yes. want to be the guy to win the football game. That's bravado. That's actually confidence. It's also stupidity at the QB position <laughs> yes. when you're in your own end and you're rolling out and throwing across the middle or it's first and goal and you're about to take a 14 nothing lead and really put a team away. How, how much love was Zach Wilson getting when them beating the Broncos like 19 to 11 or whatever the score was? They, they went on a run where he didn't do much of anything. No, no he did like, not. It was the Brees Hall show. And, and you were the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. They, they loved him. negative about you. Loved so him. Why, so, what, so that to me, that's selfishness. But don't you that, think yeah. for guys like Trevor being considered a game manager is like one of the ultimate insults for these guys? Not, not, not really because after, I believe every quarterback's a game manager. I don't think I don't think a quarterback can be a playmaker because he needs all other he needs ten other guys to do their job in order for him to be successful. So your job is to manage the game. Even Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. Like last night we were watching Sunday Night Football, and I said you can't be happy about the Josh Allen improvisation uh, or improvising plays where he's improvising and running all around the field and throwing the ball and he's scoring touchdowns and then get mad at him when he does it and he throws picks. Yeah, yeah. can't do that. You can't do that because that's what that's what you're praising him for. So you got to understand, you got to take the good with the bad. Same and it's the same for these quarterbacks. It's the same animal. You you got you're getting praised for not turning the ball over. What makes you think that you can like? Well, I want to be the man now. Like, no, that's selfishness. We're here to win a championship. We're here. We're all getting compensated for certain things. Quarterbacks are graded off of wins and losses. The good ones are. Yeah. No one cares how many. No one cares how many yards you've thrown for. No one cares. They they rate you off of. Super Bowl rings and wins and losses. If you look at Tom Brady's career before he got Randy Moss and before he went to Tampa, he wasn't throwing the ball all over the yard. They were running the ball. He wasn't making mistakes. They were playing great defense. He has seven Super Bowl rings. Seven. He's considered the greatest quarterback of all time. And yet, now that he's put in a position like most quarterbacks have been, he struggles. He doesn't look good. Yeah, he's been asked and to do too much. All over him. Yeah, people are all over him about it. And so, to me, if you're the quarterback, you're a game manager. Your job is to make sure to, to put your offense and your team in the best situation, play in and play out to be successful. If you can't do that, they need to find someone else to go in and do it. And, again, credit to to those coaches for the Jets early, early, I mean, during that stretch when they were winning because he wasn't turning the ball over. And they were winning defense and running the ball. And now, all of a sudden, Brees Hall goes down, and then Zach Wilson feels like, well, i got to be the man. And now look at what happened. You take a nasty loss to a team that you probably should have beat. Oh, yeah. And that's, it's, you know, this is a really good conversation, by the way. And I think it, it kind of, you, you talk enough about this stuff and you hit on things and you're like, and, and I agree with you, Brady example is a very good one. Think about Brady right now in his career. And you think about what are the, like, the plays that are etched in your mind of like, holy cow, what a throw, what a play. Not many. Right? No, and the ones I mean, that are, are the Randy Moss and Rob Gronkowski. Yeah, or or they're in big clutch moments, mm-hmm. but they're just like normal plays. What you guys are saying are right on the money. Like Josh Allen's going to make this crazy play. Patrick Mahomes is going to make a crazy play. And because this is a, a sports center kind of world we live in, like that's cool. And then you buy equity 
if you make the bad plays like Josh Allen did last night, some stupid yeah. plays. Now they still win. You're really by equity if you still sure. win. Yeah. But Trevor has not given. He, I asked somebody this yesterday. I was like, what are the highlight plays of Trevor? Like, I think he makes some throws that nobody has ever made around here that I've watched. But it's not ending up on sports. Well, to your point, you've been asking that question all season. Yeah, he hasn't made enough of those to to wash away the bad ones. But what we're all talking about right here actually plays in the favor of the people that are mad at Doug Peterson. Because what they did with Salah and the Jets is say, listen, we're not going to put you in this situation. We're going to hand it to Brees Hall. Yeah. And and they should have done that at the one-yard line. Don't put the kid in that position to mess up with his bravado, confidence, or just youthfulness, whatever it is, and inexperience. Hey, I got to ask you about Travis Etienne. I feel like a star was born yesterday. Did you feel all the, all the way from California that, that the NFL took notice of Etienne during that game? Oh, no, no question. I think, I mean... He's been balling, right? And and I think he fits that system that they're trying to run, that, that you know, kind of shotgun, pin, pull system. Uh, his skill set shows very well in that. And, and so, to me, I I, I mean, I'm still upset they, tra- they traded James Robinson because I still feel you need two backs in this league regardless of how good the first one is. Uh, if you look at some of the teams that are having success and some of the teams that aren't having success. Um, but... I mean, the way he's playing right now, my God. Like Again, that's why I question, why are we doing a rollout pass on the one-yard line on first and goal? Why are we doing a sprint out? It makes no sense when the guy's running like that. And then you come back to take the lead, and you run the ball two or three times in a row for him to get the, the touchdown. Right? So yeah. it's like... like At least they learned. <laughs> yeah, like, well, I guess we learned. But it's just like, that could have... We, we don't have to put ourselves... In it. And again, I, I'll say this. Doug Peterson, I think, is a great coach. I think he's a very aggressive coach. If you go back and look at that Super Bowl they won, he was uber-aggressive, and that may be his stop. But he was uber-aggressive with a quarterback that had been in the league a long time. He was uber-aggressive with a quarterback that's had success in the National League as well. It's hard to be uber-aggressive with a guy that's coming off the season that he had last year with the coaches that he had last year, and then try to think that he's going to be able to have this water-off-a-duck's-back mentality when he, like you said, he's climbing a hill, a mountain of expectation, and a lot of disappointment in the last, you know, 25 games. Yeah, absolutely. Maurice Jones-Drew with us here on Brenton Friends on ESPN 690. I mean, ETN, it, it is fun to watch now. I mean, this is... Can I, can I put what he's done in a, a small piece of perspective here? I want to read you the attempts of the top six rushers in the league. Spoiler alert, Travis is number six by rushing yards. Listen to the attempts from number one to number six. 163, 166, 126, 121, 98, 92. So he's got 92. He's got 92 carries. He's got 98, Lamar Jackson. 98 is not Lamar Jackson. It's Aaron Jones. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, uh, again, another one of these backs on a team with really with no other competition back there, right? This is like a three-down back. Josh Jacobs, even though there are some backs on Las Vegas, he's pretty much carrying the toll for them because they're going to run him into the ground this year. Nick Chubb, lone back in Cleveland. Uh, Kareem Hunt not necessarily getting all the burn that he used to get. Derrick Henry, lone back in Tennessee. And Saquon is the only thing going in New York, and then there's Travis Etienne, the first time this year being the lone featured back, but still up there for a year's worth of rush. The guy's having an out-of-his-mind season. Maurice, he's 6.2 yards a touch, man. I mean, how crazy is that? It's insane. Uh, again, I think it's a credit to their offensive line. I think it's a credit to their offensive scheme, and I think it's a credit to his ability and why the Jags took him first in the first round with Trevor Lawrence, right? Again, we talked about two guys from the same team that were very explosive in college. And you're trying to mimic that in the National Football League, which you're mimicking the running game. Now you have to try to mimic the passing game. And how do you do that? 
I think you just need to add another playmaker that he can throw the ball to. It's it's so funny because the Rams, right, they're still they're trying to figure out how to use Allen Robinson. But the, remember what Allen Robinson was for the Jags? Like, he was your 50-50 ball guy. Mm-hmm. Blake would just throw it up, and he'd go make a crazy catch. Could use one of those guys yeah. here. Yeah, let's bring him back. <laughs> you, and, and, that's what, and that's what I'm saying. Like, you need, regardless of what goes on, I don't care how good the quarterback is, even with Peyton Manning, they had Reggie Wayne and Marvin Harrison. Um, you know, obviously Tom had Gronk and early in his early years. He had some other guys that were making plays for him. But you need a guy. You need a guy for your quarterback to be able to say, here, I'm going to throw this ball up, and I know you're going to come down with it. Did you just? If you can't, oh, go ahead. Sorry, my bad. Well, I was going to say, if you, can't, if you don't have that guy, now it's on the coach to scheme those guys open, which is hard to do every play. I want to ask you about this, and I'll let you go. Uh, did you see the trade? Bears just sent, while you were on the phone with us, uh, Roquan Smith to the Ravens. Oh, wow. Uh, second round and fifth round pick, I think it, it is. A so, second for Roquan. Huh? And uh, Baltimore's all in, Mojo. Uh, how much will that help the Ravens? And yeah. what's your reaction to Roquan Smith? I guess it's not a shock he was he's, he's moved at this point because he wanted to be moved before the season even started, I think. Yeah, he made that request in the preseason. I keep telling you guys, I don't get these GMs and these teams trading talent, like good talent away. Like I, I, I would say, have you not learned in Jacksonville <laughs> to trade away all your talent and then going back into a rebuild year after year after year? Um, I think, you know, Roquan, first of all, was has been playing lights out all year. You, traded, you just traded Robert Quinn, a guy who had 18 and a half sacks for you last year. Now you trade your middle linebacker who was probably leading you in tackles. I don't know their stats. But I'm sure he was leading you in tackles. And for me, when you look at Baltimore, a linebacker is not what you need. I mean, I guess you can have two of those guys. You have the kid out of Patrick Queen, and now you have Roquan. Those are going to be two tough middle linebackers to deal with. But what about a receiver that Lamar can help with, Mark Andrews? Yeah. Right? Like, like, come on, let's help our quarterbacks out in these situations. You don't want to pay Lamar the money that he's earned and that you, you should be paying him, right? But you don't want to help him either. But you want him to stay there and be your quarterback. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, listen, I think I think they could actually pick off the Jags tree a little bit, and maybe even a guy like Marvin Jones would help out Lamar Jackson at this point and with that offense and with that team. But to be honest with you, I don't want to see Marvin Jones go because I don't want to take anything away from Trevor. This is about development. But I get what you're saying. And I'm not saying Marvin Jones is going to lead him to a Super Bowl, but I'm not sure who's giving up their top-flight wide receiver, so might have to settle on a guy like Marvin but Jones. But I think that's the point, right? To the earlier points we were making, maybe no one wants to give up a top-flight receiver but look out if the Ravens ever get their hands on one because Lamar right. Jackson is a super talent they could run with anybody it seems like in that backfield based on the schemes they run defense is always taught so like you're sitting there if you put a number if you put AJ Brown on that team holy smokes oh my god I mean think about what Tennessee did like and I know they're winning the AFC South AJ Brown has more receiving yards than all those receivers combined <laughs> that's insane yeah what are we? What are we doing? Like again, I, I, I'm gonna have to write an article. Like, what are we doing? That's gonna be the title of the article. Because it's like year after year, teams trade away talented players, but you're trying to tell your fans and your players in that locker room that we, we're still gonna win. Where? How? In the National Football League, you have to have talent on the field to win. I've never seen a team without talent, like talented players, like guys that, that could be Pro Bowlers or All Pro guys, and that team consistently just win without those guys. You, in the National Football League, it's completely different than high school, youth football, and college. 
if you want to be a consistent winner, you have to find ways to continue to add talent to your roster. And right now, the, the guys, the teams that went out and got top flight wide receivers, they're seeing dividends. Mm. Not all of them. Oh. By the way, Devontae Adams in Vegas, that hasn't worked as well as they had yes. hoped, right? Yes. Um, Allen Robinson hasn't worked in the ramps. But the guys well, down in Miami have certainly worked. Oh, my God. And A.J. Brown has certainly worked. And so if you pick the right one, I mean, you can really make a difference. Well, let me say this, too, about the Raiders. Like, how many times are we going to, like, do this McDaniels experiment and it, it, folds, it folds every time? Yeah. Oh, this will we're be the gonna, last we're time. <laughs> like, this is like, we're just not going to believe that he, he doesn't coach well if he's not in New England. Yeah, what is that? What is the resistance to acknowledging things like that? I don't understand. I, I don't get it. Because you see these I, guys I mean, get, like, second and third tries on multiple franchises when you got, like, legit guys in the wings waiting. Well, here's the deal. They would be, hey, the Raiders would be, what, what are they now, two and five? Yeah, so yeah. I think they're two and five. They would probably be at least four and three, if not five and two, if they had kept Basaccia. Easily, I, I think so because they would have kept continuity and all the like. They would, they love playing for that guy. They went to the playoffs after a season in which your coach had to quit and resign. Yep, a player to jail for for a DUI, like a crazy situation. You had another player get cut because he had guns on social media. They dealt with so many different distractions. And yet, you fire that coach after he takes you to the playoffs and you and you lose a game by getting to the eight-yard line and you can't get in. And then you trade away a ton of players and bring in a bunch of new players. Yeah, and, and change your coach. <laughs> and change your coach. And it's like, we're going to be better. Again, like I said, I don't... I don't, I don't, I don't have all the answers. I don't, but there's certain things that I just wouldn't do in the National Football League, just because we've been in it so long, and you see the patterns of this stuff happening over and over and over again. And it's like no one learns. Yeah. Again, I, 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 I ask the question: Why? And please ask for shame. Why trade away talented players? What does that do for you? Yeah, probably doesn't make the rest of the locker room feel too good either. And uh, but we will talk about it because Josh Allen has been a. A, you know, a trade talk guy. I think it's made up. I don't think he's going anywhere. But people have wondered by the deadline tomorrow will Josh Allen go. And he's the biggest reason you say no. Like, I know you said this about James Robinson, but Josh Allen, to me, would be the poster child for an organization that doesn't know how to keep good players. I'm not sure how good Josh is, but he's good. And they need to keep Josh Allen. So I don't even think he's going anywhere. I don't even think they're sniffing it. I don't even think they're talking to anybody about it. But uh, it is a conversation piece today here in Jacksonville, Mojo. Listen, I'm just being honest with you. A team that traded away uh, Dante Fowler, Yannick Ngakwe, Jalen Ramsey, Calais Campbell. Who else has been traded away? Leonard Fournette. Wow, well, they dropped, they dropped, they dropped yeah. him. Yeah. James Robinson now. Yeah. I'll just James say, letting good players go, yeah. Literally just letting good players, like really good players go and they go off and excel in other places. Two of those guys have won championships with other teams. And it wasn't – and let's be honest, Leonard Fournette was the reason the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won that championship that year. And I'll tell you this again, as, as much as people didn't like Jalen Ramsey in that building, he continues to cover top-notch receivers week in and week out. Yeah. And makes plays over and over again for the Los Angeles Rams. I see it every day. Oh, yeah, there's and no so dispute like, in that. It's just like, it's just like at the end of the day, like, are we here to win football games? Or, like, what are we here for? And so – it's not, and this is not me talking about the Jags. This is me in the league in general. I, I just don't understand how teams can continue to let guys go. Me either. Well, we got to let you go. We appreciate you hanging on, but we're not trading you hey, away. We'll see you back here next Monday. 
If you let me go, I may not come back. <laughs> Thanks, man. Love the insight. Have a good week. All right. All right. That is Maurice Jones, Drew, and uh, he is passionate about that. We talked about it last week too, about letting those guys go. Yep. Again, I I, I don't have as big a problem with the James. I think there are reasons for some, you know, but I get his overall point. I actually think the James Robinson move is going to work out for the Jags, but I get what he's saying about all these other players. Yeah, I I get it anyway. I mean, there is a business element to it, but I think sometimes these guys try to play the chess match of the business more than they do consider, hey, if we have good players, we might win. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can't always be thinking about five years down the road. No, but, like, sometimes the fit for what you want to do doesn't necessarily fit what the fans want. Yeah, well, that's fair. But when it's been done over and over and over and over, we got to go. We'll be back. Football uh, <laughs> talk continues with Rasheen Mathis on ESPN 6 now. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.